Hi, I'm Ken. And I'm Dee. And welcome to Antiques Freaks. Good time podcast. Today we return to the sailor's word book. So excited to learn the sailor lingo. I'm gonna fit in. Finally, we can get drunk on the docks in style. Hell yeah. The full title of the sailor's word book is An Alphabetical Digest of Nautical Terms, Including Some More Especially Military and Scientific But Useful to Seamen As Well as Archaisms of the Early Voyagers, Etc. By the late Admiral W.H. Smith with a Y, Revised for the Press by Vice Admiral Sir E. Belcher, Published 1867. Now, we are reading through this book because in our weekly chapter-by-chapter read-through of Arnie the Vampire on our Patreon, patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, we have encountered the character of the Admiral, who is one of the best characters in all of literary history and also speaks almost entirely in 19th century nautical slang. Puzzled by phrases such as bumboat women, we dove into the research archives to recover this nautical dictionary. We will not be reading the book in its entirety because many entries are technical and boring and also it's over 300,000 words. <laughs> we would be here, I think, probably longer than we would be for Varney. That's not true. I think they might be about the same. But because we are limiting the number of definitions we are sharing and also going letter by letter, we will be done with this book much more quickly. Thank God. Last time we covered the letter A, which means this time we are on what letter? Bees. Bees. <laughs> and we begin B with Back O Beyond. Oh, that's my favorite uh, home goods store. Back O Beyond? <laughs> yeah, Back O Beyond. <laughs> Bed, Bed back, back o beyond. beyond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> it is said of an unknown distance. The whale is back of beyond. Oh, so like down the road a piece? Yes, much like down the road a piece, which D-Ray viciously mocked me for when I said it at the Harvest Festival. I would not call it vicious, but and I would not call it mocking. Is more of delight and charm at the sort of old world country speak. You asked where the horse-drawn hayride went, and I told you truthfully that it goes down the road a piece. And then the rest of the day <laughs> was you repeating the phrase down the road a piece and then doubling over in laughter. <laughs> because, it, because it's funny. Yeah, I, like, oh, I guess I'm the bad guy for finding that funny. The hayride goes to the back of beyond. Fantastic. Back off all. Well, that's what I say when I have a good sandwich, like a nice sandwich, and my cats, all three of them are closing in. <laughs> I say, back off all. It is the order when the harpooner has thrown his harpoon into the whale. Also, to back off a sudden danger. Like me with my sandwich. <laughs> yes. Now... Those of you who aren't currently located in New Bedford, Massachusetts might wonder, why do you have to back off the whale when you've harpooned it? Uh, well... That's because harpooning is the first step. Harpooning secures the whale boat to the whale. It's going to take a whaling lance to kill the whale. In the meantime, the whale's not thrilled about being harpooned and haven't gotten close enough to harpoon it. You want to be very far away from it because it is large. And has big muscles in its tail, which is now thrashing about trying to smash your boat. Big muscles. <laughs> big muscles. You can see just how big those muscles are at our local whaling museum. True. Badger bag. Well, I mean, obviously that's where you keep the badgers, duh. The fictitious Neptune who visits the ship on her crossing the line. Okay. <laughs> no 
further explanation given in this text, but I was confused enough to research a little further elsewhere, and I found that apparently there were several different equator-crossing hazing rituals in the Royal Navy. Oh dear. More info is difficult to find because hazing. Possibly the captain would pretend to speak to Neptune, god of the sea, and whichever noobs fell for it got dunked. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Why wouldn't you talk about that? That's normal, dunking a guy. Because secrets. Oh, I get it. C S E A secrets. Yes. Bad name. Well, that's just when someone's got a, didn't get a good one. It's what you give love. What? Oh, <laughs> nice. That took. <laughs> wow, that took me a hot second. It wasn't even good. <laughs> that was pretty good. A bad name should be avoided by a ship for once acquired for inefficiency or privateer habits. It requires time and reformation to get rid of it again. Ships have endured it even under repeated changes of captains. One ship had her name changed, but she became worse. <laughs> Fucking mood. It is in general bad luck to rename a ship. For one, you have the conspiracy theory that the Titanic was really the ship Olympia with a new paint job. Can we just all agree to believe that one? It's very fun. <laughs> and also, supposedly, the changing of the ship name from Olympia to Titanic would account for the bad luck that made it strike an iceberg. It all makes sense. This is all sensible to me. More recently, you have the carnival cruise ship The Triumph, which is now known as Sunrise. Oh? Now, why it changed its name... No one knows. Officially, unofficially, it might be inspired by the poop cruise incident in 2013. <laughs> I was going to say, is that the was that the one where everyone got a really bad stomach bug, like super bad? Yes, because an engine fire caused a sewage backup throughout the entire ship. Oh my god. Creating just kind of a nightmare of dysentery. Oh my god. So if you must book Carnival Cruise, and dear god, why would you? Don't take the sunrise. I, well, I mean, I wouldn't take a cruise anyway, because... Because God, why? Why? Well, because at least one of their voyages had been described as a poop cruise, which I feel like says all I need to say about how I feel about cruise ships. And also you're just trapped in a floating mall with people who, if something goes wrong, have a very big incentive to make sure you just disappear off the back of the ship. Which has happened... A lot. Or a matter of fact, at least like on record two times and off record many, many, many times. Including Disney cruises, by the way. Almost especially Disney cruises. Cruising in your local park, on the other hand. Like a chartered fishing boat? They have every incentive to bring you back and also to keep everything clean. You're just gonna breeze right over my gay cruising joke, huh? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my god. I didn't realize that that's what it was. I thought you were just telling people to keep their feet on land. I mean, yeah, but... <laughs> I'm sorry. Wow. I'm just... I'm really on the... The snow got my head all fucking... I mean... Keep your feet on land or keep your knees on land, one or the other. Hey, as long as some part of you is touching land, your back, it can stay on land. <laughs> Bailed. That's what my mom always has to do to me on weekends. That's not true. <laughs> Just kidding, I've never been to prison. There will, for the grace of God, go why. You don't get bailed out of prison, you get bailed out of jail. Prison is for long-term incarceration after you've been sentenced. <sighs> You love a guy with the good vocabulary. This has been Pedantry with the Antiques Freaks. <laughs> Stop pedantry. We're literally doing an episode on defining terms. You may as well continue to do it. 
In the sailor's word book, this phrase, I'll be bailed, is considered as an equivalent to I'll be bound, but is probably an old enunciation for I'll be poisoned, or I'll be tormented, if what I utter is not true. Oh, okay. Balance fish. Oh, that's a really well-balanced fish. Next question. Indeed, it is the hammerhead shark. Aww. Because the two sides of its head are balanced out. (laughs) That's really cute. I love that. It's a little seesaw head. Baldric. Uh, my favorite guy, Baldric. A leathern girdle or sword belt. Also, the Zodiac. Okay, pretty wide gulf there, but sure. Balarag. I'm sorry, one more time? Balarag. B-A-L-L-A-R-A-G. Balarag. That's the rag you use to clean certain parts of you. <laughs> I was going to say it is the creature that brought Gandalf the Grey to his doom, but yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow, wow, yeah. In the sailor's word book, it means to abuse or bully. Much as the Balarag abused Gandalf. I was going to say, yeah, the the Balarag did do that. Balarag's just a big bully. Big jerk. Ballast. Well, that's just a part of a boat. It's like a thing that the boat does to stay afloat. Correct. You got it in one. Oh, I mean, I guess I I grew up on a port, so I guess some of these I was going to (laughs) get. As a verb signifies to steady, as a substantive, a comprehensive mind, a man is said to lose his ballast when his judgment fails him or he becomes top-heavy from conceit. Because as a noun, it means gravel or other refuse used to bring a ship lower in the water when she doesn't have enough cargo in the hold because the ship needs to be low so the wind in its sails doesn't flip it over. Neat. I like that one. Yeah. Band. Well, that's what I got on World of Warcraft server. The musicians of a band are called idlers in large ships. Oh, (laughs) wrong kind of band. Okay. Baptism. Well, that's for Christians. A ceremony practiced on passengers on their first passing the equinoctial line. A riotous and ludicrous custom, which from the violence of its ducking, shaving, and other practical jokes is becoming annually less in vogue. It is esteemed a usurpation of privilege to baptize on crossing the tropics. Okay, well, that's pretty good. Going back to the crossing the equator hazing rituals mentioned earlier. Nice. Barber. Like the kind that cuts your hair? Spelled the same, but meaning the condensed breath in frosty weather on beard or mustaches in Arctic traveling. Barking irons. Uh, that's when your dog is made of metal. <laughs> that's your problem right there. Your dog's made out of metal. <laughs> it means large dueling pistols. Oh, hell yeah. Bastard. B- well, <laughs> you know, that's what everyone calls me when they see me on the street. A term applied to all pieces of ordnance which are of unusual or irregular proportions. We might know it from the fantasy novel cliche of the bastard sword. Oh! Which is a sword... Halfway in length between a short sword and a long sword. I always thought it was because it was a sword wielded by a guy who didn't know who his dad was. That does seem to happen a lot in fantasy novels, yes. It's also a highly debated topic within the medieval history, renaissance fair, swordsmithing community, etc. Whether or not bastard swords ever actually existed in history. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. I do love obscure hobby feuds. (laughs) It's, It's really good. If you want more obscure hobby feuds, check out our episode on the Forbidden Smelvin. Bastard mackerel or horse mackerel? That's just a fish right there. I did not know it was called a bastard mackerel, but (laughs) horse mackerel is, well, it's more often used as bait, but it's also good eaten. I was going to say, aren't you fond of mackerel? Yeah, I mean, there's many kinds of mackerel. Many different kind of mackerel. Many different kind of mackerel. But yes, it is Carinx tracurus. A dry, coarse, and unwholesome fish, very common in the Mediterranean. I told you that it's not, like, super popular as an eaten fish, but I think it's good eaten. Battening the hashes. Well, that's when, uh, <laughs> that's when someone you've sort of fallen out with comes to visit. 
<laughs> you get a, and you get a forewarning and you have to clean up the apartment. <laughs> but really, it means securing the tarpaulins over them. You know, I'm a little embarrassed. I actually did not know that. Battens of the hatches. Oh, those are the tarpaulins that you put over the hatches, but before they're there. Almost. Long, narrow lathes or straightened hoops of casks serving by the help of nailing to confine the edges of the tarpaulins and keep them close down to the sides of the hatchways in bad weather. Also, thin strips of wood put upon rigging to keep it from chafing by those who dislike mats. When large, these are designated Scotchmen. (laughs) I bet the Scots love that. Beach rangers. Rangers who live on the beach. Men hanging about seaports who have been turned out of vessels for bad conduct. Now I'm just imagining Aragorn as a beach bum. Yeah, I am actually kind of enjoying that. Now that you've said that out loud, I'm really enjoying the shit out of that concept. (laughs) He's got like a (laughs) shitty little fucking surfboard and he never really goes out on it. He's always just kind of paddling. He's got a t-shirt that tells everyone he's on island time. He's on island time. He's island boy on island time. Beam ends. Those are the ends of the beams. Uh, Well, now you're just having me on. A ship is said to be on her beam ends when she has keeled over so much on one side that her beams approach to a vertical position. Hence, also, a person lying down is metaphorically said to be on his beam ends. Aw, oh, man, I'm on my beam ends all the time. <laughs> bean cod. We don't talk about the bean cod. We don't? <laughs> I don't know what that is. I thought it might sound familiar because it is a small fishing vessel or pilot boat common on the sea coasts and in the rivers of Spain and Portugal. Oh, wow. They frequently set as many as 20 different sails, alow and aloft, by every possible contrivance so as to puzzle seamen who are not familiar with the rig. That sounds about right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that scans. That's something we do. I just really love the vision of just, like, a boat going past you and you're visiting Portugal and you're just staring at her and you're just like, that's... Too many sails. (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck are they doing? That's not the normal amount. What is happening? Hey, what's going on over there? (laughs) Just a boat ruined with sails. Just festooned, (laughs) dripping with sails. If a sailboat could be Rococo, except every Rococo decoration being replaced with at least one or more sails. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, what an image. Barabob orifice. Barabob's orifice? Well, no. I don't know that why that, why that made that into the no 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 wait into sorry, the dictionary. Sorry, nope. That seems crude. Nope. Barabob or barefist. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. That's Big Barabob's big bare fists. It is jocular for lend a hand. <laughs> the dictionary is explaining to me how I'm supposed to feel about this now. It's a little rude. Now you'd think what with Barabob and Barafist, both meaning lend a hand, that bear a hand would also mean lend a hand, but no, bear a hand means to hasten. Huh. Or, as we say in Pennsylvania, quick a while. Yeah? You say that? Mm-hmm. Quick a while, down the road a piece, out in the light. <laughs> and, and then you're like, why are people making fun of me? <laughs> <laughs> to bring to his bearings. Well, that's like when you, you wake someone up, you're like slapping them. It is used in conversation for to bring to reason, to bring an unruly subject to his senses, to know he is under control, to reduce to order. Yeah, I I had the spirit of it. You got it. Beating the booby. Uh, (laughs) We don't talk about that. That's not for our very barely safe for work podcast. We have an explicit tag. We've had an explicit tag from the beginning. Yeah, but it's not polite to talk about, uh, you know, bedroom activities on the podcast. (laughs) Every single episode... Of Karnaki. <laughs> you specifically. Me specifically. All right. Listen, the boat one was all Chris. Don't you start. For more on that, check out our Karnaki episodes. <laughs> they are well worth it. But yes, 
Beating the booby means the beating of the hands from side to side in cold weather to create artificial warmth. What? <laughs> I wish there was a video. I want to see what this motion looks like. You ever been sitting out in the cold and slapping your hands together to keep them warm? I rub them because friction is real warmth. You are no semen. No. <laughs> Thank you for noticing. Beckett. That's the character in Pirates of the Caribbean. It is. It's a villain from Pirates of the Caribbean, Cutler Beckett, but it is also a cant term for pockets. As in, hands out of Beckett's, sir. Admiral Pockets. <laughs> bedundered. Well, that's just when you're so dang confused. I'm bedundered. Stupefied with noise. Oh, hey, I was pretty close. You were. Beef. This needs a definition? It's what's for dinner. Did you never see those commercials? No, I did. Were they like, beef, it's what's for dinner? No, I did. It was a good joke. Thank you. I try. <laughs> I was trying to think of a way to work in the where's the beef. But, like, I didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, it wasn't happening. Okay, say beef. Beef. Where is it? (laughs) (laughs) Fucking stupid. (laughs) Fucking dumb. Dumb show, turn it off. (laughs) God damn it. Ah, beef. Oh, that got me good, that got me good. In the sailor's word book, it is a figurative term for strength. Oh. More beef means more men on. (laughs) You know, some things are universal. Because if you say more beef at certain clubs, you're going to get more men on. If you say more beef while you're land cruising. You're going to get more men on there too, yeah. (laughs) Before the mast. Uh, Well, that's before the beef comes on at the club. Wow. Wow. (laughs) Yeah? No, it means the station of working seamen, as distinguishing them from the officers. As in the book, two years before the mast. Oh, hey, yeah. Beggar bolts. What now? Beggar bolts. Okay. Wow. I mean, that sounds super fun. A contemptuous term for the spears which are thrown by the galley slaves at an approaching enemy. Because they were the bolts thrown by beggars. Beggar bolts. Beggar bolts. Okay. I got it. It's not a particularly sensitive term, but it's what's in the book generic. I mean, these are sailor folk. They're not inclined to be sensitive. How dare you? Jack Pringle has a rich display of emotions. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's just he's not always like PC, you know? A wealth of emotional depth has Jack Pringle. He really is. Write fanfic about him, won't you? For more on that, check out our Varney the Vampire read on patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks. And as it happens, the Varney the Vampire fanfic that has been crafted. As a direct result of that podcast. To belay. Oh, it's when you don't do something. It's when they say belay that and they're like, stop doing that. To fasten a rope when it has been sufficiently hauled upon by twining it several times around a cleat, belaying pin, or kevel without hitching or seizing. This is chiefly applied to the running rigging, which needs to be so secure that it may be quickly let go in case of a squall or a charge of wind. There being several other expressions used for securing large ropes as bitting, making fast, stoppering, etc. Okay, that's not what I thought. Well, hold on. Belay there does mean stop, that is enough. And belay that yarn means we've had enough of it. Oh, yay! (laughs) It's also a key player in the best deleted scene from the Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. (laughs) Wherein Barbosa yells, belay that, then forgets his line for several seconds whilst everyone else stares at him in silence waiting for him to continue. At which point he says, do something else. (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) So fucking choice. Belt. Keep my pants up. To beat with a colt or a rope's end. Oh, <laughs> wrong belt. Although you can belt with a belt. You can belt with a belt. Belting. Singing. Singing big strong. A beating, formerly given by a belt. Ah. 
bent on a splice. Oh, that's, uh, that's another thing that happens in those uh, those certain clubs with the beef, you know? It means going to be married. Okay. Because to splice means to tie two ropes together. Oh, like tied in holy matrimony. That's nice. Splice, meaning to combine things, continues on into the present day with the horror movie Splice. Nope. <laughs> about a horrible genetic monstrosity of a combination of other things. It is a bad movie and don't watch it. Don't watch it. Not worth it. It also features in Moby Dick by Herman Melville, when the innkeeper is explaining to Ishmael why he needs to share a bed with a stranger, wherein the innkeeper describes the bed as, It's a nice bed. Sal and me slept in that ear bed the night we were spliced. There's plenty of room for two to kick about in that bed. It's an almighty big bed, that. For a second, I forgot Sal could also be a, a lady nickname. It is. It is, in this case, short for presumably Sally. Yeah. Or Salome. Ooh. Getting biblical with it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the bed that Ishmael and Queequeg sleep together in before the next day Queequeg declares that they're married. A literal marriage bed, you say? A literal marriage bed, because when the innkeeper says it's the bed we slept in the night where we were spliced, spliced being sailors can't for marriage, it's literally the innkeeper's marriage bed, which he offers to Ishmael and Queequeg, after which Queequeg says he and Ishmael are married. They're not subtle about it. It's not subtlety. For more on it, read Hero, Captain, and Stranger by Robert <laughs> K. Martin. I don't want to come down too hard on Queequeg and Ishmael, but if someone told me that, I would not sleep in that bed. And Ishmael also almost makes that same decision, but then he sees Queequeg and like, can you blame him? Guess that's fair. <laughs> if you tell me this bed will make you married to a stranger, I will say no. But then you will tell me the stranger is Queequeg. And then you will show me Queequeg. And then I will say, you know what? Maybe. <laughs> you know what? Actually. Second thought. <laughs> On second thought. Fuck yeah. Berwick smack. That's when Erwick's acting a fool. The old and well-found packets of former days until superseded by steamers. I just really like the, fa- the phrase Berwick smack. It sounds like what Berwick yells before he delivers an attack. <laughs> Berwick smack! smack. <laughs> Betwixt wind and water. That's um only 50% of the band Earth, Air, Fire, Water. Oh shit, you're right. Alternatively, the third book of Avatar The Last Airbender. The third book of Avatar The Last Airbender is fire. Well, then I fucked up on which book I meant to make a joke about. <laughs> but you're not really being gaming about it, now are you, sir? This is the pedantry episode! <laughs> But yes, betwixt wind and water means about the line of load immersion of the ship's hull, or that part of the vessel which is at the surface of the water. Water being water and wind being air. Oh, okay. Betwixt wind and water being where the boat stops hitting air and starts hitting water. Neat. It also appears in Varney the Vampire when the Admiral declares, broadside to broadside, give it to them again, Jack, hit them between wind and water. Oh, hey. When he is firing a line of pistols from his bedroom window at Varney the Vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get it twisted. There is no boat in the instance that this appears. This book is so fucking good. (laughs) Big wigs. A big bunny in Watership Down. Oh my god, you're right. (laughs) But it is also a cant term for the higher officers. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Bilbo. Mr. Baggins of the Bagginses. The Bag End Bagginses. An old term for a flexible kind of cutlass from Bilbao, where the best Spanish sword blades were made. Shakespeare humorously describes Falstaff in the buck basket like a good Bilbo, coiled hilt to point. (laughs) Okay, okay. 
So it's literally a kind of sword that you can coil up like a whip, like Indiana Jones. That sounds like a shitty sword. It sounds like a dope sword. You can... It goes foing. Doesn't sound like it cuts super good. Well, once you unroll it. I won't have to unroll unroll my sword. Like, oh, oh, excuse me a second. I have to unroll my sword instead of just slicing. But like, you coil it in your pocket and then as you unsheath it, it straightens out like a metal measuring tape. It's coiled up inside the tape, but like as soon as you pull it out, it's straight. Because the metal wants to return to that shape. Because it's like a spring. Like a fucking slap bracelet? Yeah! Slap bracelet swords. That's still bad. I still don't like it. (laughs) This is why you weren't a champion fencer. The only reason. (laughs) The one reason. (laughs) The one reason. The one reason you didn't make the UMass fencing team. Yeah. Just that one thing. Bilge water. Oh, that's what comes out of the toilet part of the boat. Fairly close. The rain or seawater which occasionally enters a vessel and running down to her floor remains in the bilge of the ship till pumped out by reason of her flat bottom which prevents it from going to the well of the pump. It is always, especially if the ship does not leak, of a dirty color and disgusting penetrating smell. It seems to have been a sad nuisance on the early voyages. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's like a, like a ship toilet. And in the earliest sea ballad known, it is thus grumbled at. And I will be reciting this ballad as it is phonetically spelled. Yeah. A sack of straw were there right good, for some must league them in their hood. I had as lef be in the wood, without meat or drink. For when that we shall go to bed, the pump was nigh or bed's head. A man were as good as to be dead, as smell thereof ye stink. <laughs> wow. Good follow Shakespeare would blush. The mixture of tar water and the drainings of sugar cargo is about the worst perfume known. Sounds like. God. Picture it, won't you? Thank you. No, thank you. Billows. That's how you make the furnace go hot. The surges of the sea or waves raised by the wind, a term more in use among poets than seamen. Bind. Well, that's another thing that happens at those clubs that we mentioned before. A quantity of eels containing 10 sticks of 25 each. Uh, so you can't give me a sailor's measurement for eels by describing another sailor's measurements for eels. So you got 25 eels bundled together, and then you bundle 10 of those bundles together, and you get a bind of eels. A bind is 250 eels that I guess you just tie together in sticks. Why would you do that to eels? They didn't do anything to you. They're delicious. Leave eels alone, 2014. Om nom 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 delicious. Oh god, that's the wrong year. Fuck. Aw man, no no one's gonna leave eels alone. (laughs) Black Book of the Admiralty. Uh, it's a hentai I saw once. No. (laughs) No, 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 no. No, it wasn't Bible Black Book of the Admiralty. No! (laughs) Sorry. The Black Book of the Admiralty is where they keep the numbers of all the guys that get land cruising. (laughs) Nice, nice. Actually, it's an imaginary record of offenses. Oh? Which reminds me of when elementary school, when they'd always tell you, that'll go on your permanent record, and then you graduate, and you're like, wait a second. Yeah. (laughs) Hang on! (laughs) A thing that doesn't exist. Hang on a second! (laughs) Amazing. Permanent, my ass. Black's the white of my eye. Sounds like a slingo for pisses me off. When Jack avers that no one can say this or that of him, it is an indignant expression of innocence of a charge. Black strap. Oh, it's a molassy. Sweet sassy molassy. Watch out behind you, black strap. You'll sink into molasses. Molasses in the night, black strap. 
It is the dark country wines of the Mediterranean. Also, bad port, such as was served for the sick in former times. Huh, that's weird. It took me an embarrassing number of years to realize that port wine was so-called because it came from Portugal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Portu. Portu. Bleeding the monkey. Oh, I don't, that's another thing that happens in those clubs. There's a lot of that in this chapter, I see. What clubs are you going to where they bleed monkeys? It's a turn of phrase, Ken. The monkey is a tall pyramidal kid or bucket which conveys the grog from the grog tub to the mess. Stealing from this intransitu is so termed. Oh, okay. Bloodsuckers. Well, that's like someone who eats a blood, right? It's Varney the vampire. Yeah, he's a bloodsucker. Lazy fellows who, by skulking, throw their proportion of labor on the shoulders of their shipmates. Oh, okay, yeah, that works. Blowing the grompus. <laughs> We're, we're right back in those clubs again, which is where that happens. We gotta get out of these clubs, Steve. We gotta get out of these I can't. I, they've been blowing the grompus for about ten minutes. I'm stuck behind them in line. What do you want me to do? In line to blow the grompus? Well, no, but they're, it, like the line is like in the way of me getting out. Blowing the grompus means throwing water over a sleeper at watch. <laughs> wow. Okay. It's not what I would have called it, but... Blow the gaff. Oh my god, all these lines just keep getting longer. I'm never gonna get out of this club. <laughs> to reveal a secret, to expose or inform against a person. Yeah, I'm about to do that in this club. Blue lightism. Blue light. Um, well, it's not the red light special, so... Affected sanctimoniousness. Oh, okay. Well, that's cool. I like that one. Yeah. Bodkin. Odds bodkins. A dirk or dagger. I always forget that one. Boatswain. Or bosun. That's the guy who swains the boat. It is. The officer who superintends the boat sails, ship sails, rigging, canvas, colors, anchors, cables, and cordage committed to his charge. He ought also to take care that the blocks and running ropes are regularly placed to answer the purposes for which they are intended, and that the sails are properly fitted to their yards and stays, and well furled or reefed when the occasion requires. He pipes the hands to their several duties, seeing that they attend his call, and ought to be in every way a thorough seaman. Although termed boatswain, the boats are not in his charge. They, with the spars, etc., and stores for repair, belong to the carpenter. The boatswain is the officer of the first lieutenant. He gives no order, but reports defects, and carries out the will of his superior. God bless the boatswain. And if you'd like to meet a boatswain yourself, check out Varney the Vampire, wherein we have our beloved Jack Pringle, who is the Admiral's boatswain. Hell yeah. Bond of Bottomry. Uh, I don't want to be in this club anymore. <laughs> Someone let me out. An authority to borrow money by pledging the keel or bottom of the ship. Oh, okay. Born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Oh, one of those guys. Connecticut's, we call them. Said of a person who, by birth or connection, has all the usual obstacles to advancement cleared away for him. Those who toil unceasingly for preferment and toil in vain are said to have been born with a wooden ladle. Had you ever heard that before? I hadn't, actually. No, that one's a new one for me. This is, after all, an educational podcast, despite our continued presence in this club. <laughs> Both sheets aft. That's when you're drunk. You got both sheets aft. The situation of a square-rigged ship that sails before the wind or with the wind right astern. It is said also of a half-drunken sailor rolling along with his hands in his pockets and elbows square. Ah, I was right! Oh, fuck, that was a Hail Mary pass. You've got it, you have. To box the compass. Things are getting real in this club. I'm trying to find the fire exit. Not only to repeat the names of the 32 points in order and backwards, but also to be able to answer any and all questions respecting its divisions. Oh, okay. So just a very good, good compass man. Brace of shakes. That's what I get when I go to Steak and Shake. 
A moment taken from the flapping of a sail. I will be with you before it shakes thrice. <laughs> oh, nice. In Pennsylvania, we say two shakes of a lamb's tail, but you know. That's what I always said, yeah. Brass. Well, that's a metal. Impudent assurance. Oh, I guess it's that too, huh? Breadroom. Oh no, oh no. Get out of here, Christian Grey. The breadroom? Oh, I thought you said red room and then I remembered we're on B. Uh-huh. Red doesn't typically start with B. <laughs> Get but... out of here, baker, Christian. <laughs> Get out of here, Christian Bake. He's a baking billionaire. Fifty Shades of Bake. <sighs> Fifty Shades of Rye. Ah, oh, nice. The lowest and aftermost part of the Orlop deck where the biscuit is kept, separated by a bulkhead from the rest, but any place parted off from below deck for containing the bread is so designated. I like how they used the biscuit and the bread interchangeably there for a bit. Well, aboard ship, the biscuit is the bread, because biscuit is what they did to bread to make sure it could last for long voyages, which is why it looks almost fucking nothing like bread, and tastes almost fucking nothing like bread, but technically contains wheat. So you know what? Bread. You know what? I guess it's all bread all the way down. Breadroom Jack. <laughs> God damn it, Christian Gray. I told you to get this guy out of the breadroom. The purser's stewards help. Okay. Breeze. Well, that's just wind. This word is widely understood as a pleasant zephyr, but among seamen it is usually applied as synonymous with wind in general, whether weak or strong. Fascinating. <laughs> to kick up a breeze is to excite disturbance and promote a quarrelsome row. Oh, okay. That's what I do at the club. Bricklayer's clerk. Well, that's whoever is looking after the bricklayer and keeping track. A contemptuous expression for lubberly pretenders to having seen better days, but who are forced to betake themselves to sea life. Betake themselves to sea life? So if you get on a boat and you spend your entire time on the boat being like, oh man, I used to be an accountant on shore, but um, both my hands fell off, so now I have to be on a boat. And everyone knows you're lying because you clearly have two hands. You are a bricklayer's clerk. Oh, I see. Okay. Bring him near. Get him over here. The day and night telescope. Okay. Because <laughs> it brings what you're looking at near to your eye. <laughs> oh my god, that's so stupid. Bring him near. Oh my god, no. This one might be my favorite. <laughs> I mean, how could it not be? What the? It's so stupid. For real, though. Bring him near. Bring him near. Give him binoculars. <laughs> could you bring me the bring him near tube? Holy shit. Bring up with a round turn. Suddenly arresting a running rope by taking a round turn round a ballard, bithead, or cleat. Said of doing a thing effectually, though abruptly. It is used to bring one up to his senses by a severe rating. Some of these feel like they didn't need to have their own terms. <laughs> what else do you have to do on a ship but invent new vocabulary? Sing! Play a fucking guitar. Bristol fashion and ship shape. Wait, Bristol fashion and ship shape? Yes. Okay. Not ship shape and Bristol fashion, which is how I've always heard it. Oh, okay. It is said when Bristol was in its balmy commercial days, unannoyed by Liverpool, and its shipping was all in proper good order. <laughs> unannoyed by Liverpool is what I call the days before the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> Broad arrow. You made your arrow too fucking wide, goddammit. The royal mark for government stores of every description. To obliterate, deface, or remove this mark is felony, or even to be in possession of any goods so marked without sufficient grounds. It is no doubt one of the Dittmarsh runes. Dittmarsh runes, huh? What are the Dittmarsh runes? We just don't know. 
because the only reference I could find to them was in this book. The Ditmarsh, what a mystery. If you know, or you know someone who might know what the Ditmarsh runes are, please let us know. Email us and takesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to learn more about the Ditmarsh runes. Yes, please. Brogging. <laughs> Gross. Don't talk about that. Not even at the club? Not even at the club. Well, that's when that's when you're frogging with the bros at the club. <laughs> It is a North Country method of catching eels by means of small sticks called brogs. Stop eating fucking eels. Shit. What do you have against eels? I love eels. I don't want you to eat them. But tasty. I mean, sure, but like, so would a unicorn, but you wouldn't eat it. Fuck you, I would. Okay, well, everybody hide your unicorns. Ken's on a rampage. Next, you're gonna tell me I wouldn't download a car. I wouldn't download a fucking unicorn to eat. (laughs) Brook up. That's when you put brook up on top. Top shelf. Top shelf brook. Brook up. The clouds brook up when they draw together and threaten rain. Broth of a boy. Uh, nope. All right, moving right the fuck along. (laughs) We're just not gonna- No, we're not covering this one, aren't we, huh? It means an excellent, though roistering, fellow. Ugh, God. Why? Roistering means reveling, bragging, and partying. So a broth of a boy is a good time, lad. I still hate it is the problem. You hate broth of a boy? I don't like the boy broth, thank you. Have you tried saying it, though? You mean broth of a boy? Broth of a boy. Yeah, it wasn't any much more fun to say than think about. (laughs) I am reminded of the My Brother, My Brother and Me TV show, where they're all sitting in the hot tub, but they can't have the jets on because of the noise. So they're just sitting in boy soup. Oh yes, a a fine boy stew. You might call that broth of some boys. Broth of a boy. Boo centaur. That's when the centaur's doing a bad job. Boo! A large and splendid galley of the Doge of Venice, in which he received the great lords and persons of quality who went there, accompanied by the ambassadors and counselors of state and all the senators seated on benches by him. The same vessel served also in the magnificent ceremony on Ascension Day, when the doge threw a ring into the sea to espouse it and to denote his dominion over the Gulf of Venice. How do you pick someone to represent the sea? He didn't. He threw a ring into the ocean. The sea represented the sea. Oh, okay. D, as our resident token Catholic, did any of that make sense? Not a fucking word of it, my man. (laughs) Pretty mystifying, all said. (laughs) Well, we tried. Bucky Ingram. That's him, the guy. A name for the hermit crab. (gasps) Oh my god, I love it! So cute! Bucky Ingram! To build a chapel. No thanks. It means to turn a ship suddenly by negligent steerage. I cannot for the life of me figure out how one relates to the other, but if you steer a boat badly enough, you can build a chapel. That's true, because the likelihood of someone making a chapel anywhere that lots of people have died is pretty high, so like, that's a good way to do it. You know what? Fair. I'm also reminded of the chapter in Moby Dick where an Ishmael literally falls asleep at the wheel of the ship and almost crashes the entire ship. (laughs) Dumb motherfucker. It actually happens. I encourage everyone to read Moby Dick. If Moby Dick weren't a tragedy, it would be a very good series of comics. It's very funny. Bull dance. When you're dancing, but you're breaking stuff the whole way down. (laughs) At sea, it is performed by men only when without women. It is sometimes called a stag dance. That sounds pretty suspicious in terms of being gay. It sounds like something we do at the club. It sounds like something that's definitely happening at the club. So I know it's not unheard of, but it was fairly uncommon to have women aboard the ship anyway. I mean, yeah, they didn't generally make up the crew. On American whaling vessels, the captain's wife, my kids might come along. 
But for the most part, yeah, it's a very men-heavy environment. Which does make me wonder why they felt the need to clarify that in an environment understood to be primarily man, that they had to clarify that this was the man dance for the men to do with each other. Listen. No girls allowed. And it's like, even if there's a girl, it might be the captain's wife, and at which point I don't think she's dancing with you. It's pretty gay is what I'm saying. I mean, you're not wrong. Bull's eye Kringle. <laughs> Shot Santa right out of the sky. A piece of wood in the form of a ring, which answers the purpose of an iron thimble. It is seldom used by English seamen. I can see why. That sounds terrible. To bullyrag. Ugh, God. Ah, oh, well, you need something to clean up with. To reproach contemptuously and in a hectoring manner. To bluster, to abuse, and to insult noisily. Oh, so like what I do all the time. Stop hectoring me. I shan't, Hector. Bumboat. Oh, that's from the women who are bumboats. A boat employed to carry provisions, vegetables, and small merchandise for sale to ships, either in port or lying at a distance from the shore, thus serving to communicate with the adjacent town. The name is corrupted from Bombard, the vessels in which beer was formerly carried to soldiers on duty. Or as used in Varney the Vampire when Jack Pringle describes the mob of angry villagers coming for Varney himself, only a few horse marines and bumboat women that have been startled like a company of penguins. <laughs> Which is, remains an extremely good descriptor. Varney the Vampire, so bad yet so good. Bundle up. Well, when it's cold. That's what I'm going to do later when I'm shoveling snow. The call to the men below to hurry up on deck. Bundling things into a boat. Is that a phrase? It is, and it means loading it in a slovenly way. <laughs> That's not a very good- alright, well, because if you said bundling things into a boat, on a boat, I would say, well, you're putting things in the boat. To bungle. Oh, you messed up. To perform a duty in a slovenly manner. Yeah, you bungle it all up. Bung starter. <laughs> Get out of the club, out. A stave shaped like a bat, which applies to either side of the bung, caused it to start out. Also a sobriquet for the captain of the hold, also a name given to the master's assistant serving his apprenticeship for hold duties. Burn the water. Yeah, who needs it? Is that like going fast? It is a phrase denoting the act of killing salmon in the night with a lister and a lighted torch in the boat. I'm not gonna lie to you, that seems like a strange way to catch salmon. It does indeed. Busking. Oh, that's when you're dancing around at the fucking train station for money. Piratical cruising, also used generally for beating to windward along a coast or cruising off and on. Okay, I'm not really seeing how that term stretched, but okay. Busy as the devil in a gale of wind. It sounds like you're very busy, but I don't know what the gale of wind made the devil busier for. Fidgety restlessness or double diligence in a bad cause, the imp being supposed to be mischievous in hard gales. But and but. <laughs> I, I was sorry, Ken, I thought we agreed we're not going to be in the club anymore. It keeps happening. <laughs> it keeps happening. It doesn't stop from happening. Butt and butt is a term denoting the butt ends of two planks coming together, but not overlaying each other. <laughs> That's not what I heard. <laughs> I heard those butts was overlaying. Butterbox. <laughs> that sounds so vulgar, but not even in a way I could, like, make jokes about. It just sounds gross. A name given to the brig traders of lumpy form from London, Bristol, and other English ports. Lumpy form. Also, a cant term for a Dutchman. Well, that's just mean to the Dutch. The Dutch are school. The Dutch are lumpy. <laughs> Butterfingered. Well, you keep dropping shit. Indeed. You've been in the butter box. It is having a careless habit of allowing things to drop through the fingers. I just had no idea the phrase was nautical. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually really stunned that that was a boat term first. To make buttons. Is it not to the manufacturer of a button? 
It is a common, time-honored, but strange expression for a sudden apprehension or misgiving. It definitely carries a power to it, but I don't really understand it. By and large. That was also a boat term? It means to the wind and off it within six points. Oh, fuck. Which I think is how it came to mean close enough. Yeah, shit, that's really cool. Bycat. Bycat? Like bycatch? Like the fish you catch by accident when you're catching other fish? That's a very good guess, but no. It is a northern term for a male salmon of a certain age because of the beak which then grows on its underjaw. Oh yeah, wicked cool, by the way. Look up spawning form male salmon, so fucking cool. It is wild how they basically go through like a Pokemon evolution and become a completely different fish. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I love, I love salmon for it. Also, delicious. Also, very good fish to eat. But this concludes the bees of the sailor's words book. As we may say, not the bees, not the bees, no. <laughs> Look out there in my eyes. <laughs> if you would like to submit an episode topic or just say hello, you can email us directly at antiquesfreakspodcast at gmail.com. You can post in our Facebook group, Antiques Freaks Friends, or you can tag us on Tumblr, antiquesfreaks.tumblr.com. If you liked all of these fun, boaty terms of phrase, consider scrolling on down wherever you're listening to this podcast and leaving us a nautical review like the review we recently received from jb goods titled antiques can be hilarious and ham salad is delicious oh goodness i started listening to this podcast after my husband found it it absolutely helped keep me sane during the pandemic and antiquing was out of the question can indeed keep learning about antiques fun when most books about antiques can put one to sleep the banter is amazing and reminds me of my own friends in our conversations Keep up the good work. From a Pennsylvania man who loves ham salad and hides his husband's scary clown doll in a closet. <laughs> now I have some bad news. You don't own a clown doll. Grab your husband and get out of the house. <laughs> you gotta get your husband out of there. Oh my God. <laughs> you didn't buy a clown doll. What made you think that? Thank you, JB Good, for that review. It's very sweet. Thank you for keeping our hearts warm. And vindication for my ham salad ways. I never said ham salad wasn't good. <laughs> I, just had, I just could not believe it was real. And for those of you who listened to our Paper Dolls episode and shared our questions about microwaving, my sister took time out of her busy schedule to email me <laughs> and said, Guys, size of item in microwave doesn't matter. <laughs> Microwaves are produced inside the oven by an electron tube called a magnetron. The microwaves are reflected within the metal interior of the oven where they are absorbed by food. Microwaves cause water molecules in food to vibrate, producing heat that cooks the food. She helpfully highlighted that bit and added, Ants contain water, so do viable mite eggs, however small the water quantity may be. Also, that was Josephine by the Wallflowers. You know it because I blasted it every day for probably two years in my room. <laughs> That was actually really cool. I um I didn't know that about microwaves. And yeah, it turns out you can kill an ant in a microwave. It just takes a very long time. Because the water molecules are small? Well, no. The water molecules are the same size because they're molecules. There are just fewer of them. Yeah, but they're in a little ant. Yeah, it's just that most people do not set the microwave long enough. Like I, I did, I ended up finding some other scientifically minded people who are also elucidating about this. And yeah, it's it can't you can do it because ants have water in them. It just takes like a lot longer. <gasps> can you tell we have art degrees? Yeah, have you noticed? Oh no, but we do love to learn. Yeah, well, I was really excited. Now I know how microwave works. And if you heard us mention Varney the Vampire roughly four thousand times during this episode and thought, "Hey, I want more of that." Check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash antiquesfreaks, where every week we read and review a chapter of Varney the Vampire or the Feast of Blood, a penny dreadful that is far more dreadful than penny. Truth. 
Special shout out to our patrons for paying our hosting fees and filling our hearts with love. So much love. And thank you in particular for listening. That's right. You. Au revoir. Goodbye.